right, so tonight, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back. Um, tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different as Oliver cries in the background. Um, I have had on my heart for a little while, I really want to teach on leadership. I really want to talk to you guys about what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a good leader. Not that I've mastered it by any means, but I know a lot about it, and I'm trying to become better as I go. And uh, one of the things that Cameron keeps mentioning um, that we've talked about a lot is that everybody is a leader. Everybody who comes here, we expect you guys to be leaders. Um, and I kind of want to define what that is. I want to give you guys some framework for that. Um, and to do that, uh, we're going to talk about Joseph tonight. We're just going to do we're going to do uh, something that I've never actually taught, but something that I've studied out a lot. And we're just we're just going to do a little character study tonight. So we're going to go through Genesis chapters 37 through 45. We're not going to read all of those because that would be a lot. And we would be here for four hours, which is fine. I've done teachings like that before, but I don't want to do teachings like that anymore. So uh, unless you guys want to be here for that long, I will gladly do that. But, you know, the only people who get to suffer through that are uh, Ethan, because he lives here right now and stuff. So, um, and my wife, because she has no choice but to talk to me all the time. But um, So... Uh, go ahead and flip to Genesis 37. Oh, 37. Uh, and I'm going to pray. And uh, I know we got a lot going on tonight. So a lot of noises, so try to listen close. If you've got a pad and a pen and you're really interested in leadership, please take notes or a smartphone because I take it we all have smartphones and have a note app on it. Um, so, uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get started. So, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for what your word says on leadership. I thank you for what your word says about uh, Joseph and the example that he is to all of us. Um, and I just thank you for little Oliver over there. just pray that he would uh, get the nourishment he needs from his feeding, and... Uh, just relax. Uh, we've had an eventful day. There's a lot of people here, so, you know, that's okay. Um, but yeah, we just come before you, and we just really want to see what your word says, and just let it speak to us. Um, so we just thank you. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Before I get into this, one thing that I do want to mention, um, I really love First of all, if you want to know anything about leadership, the first thing you need to do is read your Bible. Mm -hmm. There's so many leaders in the Bible, I cannot stress this enough. You can do so many studies on the leaders of the Bible in order to understand how to be a better leader. It is crazy. I love doing leadership studies. And if I were to do anything besides what I'm doing right now, as far as work goes, um, I would try to find a way to like get myself out there in order to train up other leaders and to train up leadership teams. I'm just super passionate about that. That's why, like, um, since the beginning of, of Identity House, uh, as a actual house church, I've done my best to, Kate and I have done our best to, to really find people that were going to come alongside of us and not lead underneath us, but lead with us as equals. And we want to teach you guys what it's like to lead, too, because we don't want it to be one of those things where it feels like the, there's a bunch of because some churches you go to, it feels like the the people who are a part of the church and the leadership are disconnected, and they're two different two different things. And we don't want we don't want it to feel like that. We want it to feel like everybody's connected. We want you guys to feel like 
you can come up and lead alongside of us too. Even if you're not necessarily leading the church, there are different ministries you can lead. There are different gifts that you have to offer. There are different things that you can do. Um, and so when it comes to leadership, I'm just, I'm super passionate about this. And like I said, we can go through all kinds of different character studies. The notes that I have here aren't even everything that I have as far as dissecting the story of Joseph goes. It's just the things that stuck out to me for, for tonight. Um, now, having said that, we really want to encourage you guys in this next year, especially since we did just have our talk on uh, what the next year, what we want the next year to look like and where, God, where we feel like God's leading us. We really want to push the Bible because we feel like a lot of people have been doing nothing but reading books that aren't the Bible in order to learn about the Bible rather than just reading the Bible. Like, we want you guys to learn from God through reading the Bible, not just from reading books or listening to other people teach because... Sometimes that can become dangerous. Those people become idols. Yada, yada, yada. The fact of the matter is read your Bible. Now, having said all of that, I love leadership books. And if there's one leadership book I could give you besides the Bible, because that's the best, it would be this one. It is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It is the best book on leadership that I've ever read that sole purpose is about leadership. The guy who wrote this, his name is John C. Wack, John C. Wax, Maxwell. Wax, Wax, no. um, he is a Christian. <laughs> And he is a Christian that has the privilege of training up CEOs and CFOs and big name people in the business world. People pay this guy who loves Jesus a lot of money, billions of dollars to come train their leadership teams because of how great he is. Mm -hmm. um, he does have some Bible stories and Bible references in this, but he tries to pull from practical examples to teach business people. It's awesome. It's really great. I love it. Um, a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about tonight, you can go through and you can actually find the laws that I'm talking about in this book. Not because I did that on purpose, but because once you realize that they're there, you, you can't refute them. It really is irrefutable. Like, they're all there. They're all listed. So um, I got this book during Bible college. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Read your Bible first, though. So um having said that i have other leadership books that if you guys want to know more i can give you other things but that's besides the point we're going to get into the word now because the word is the most important so um we're going to talk about joseph today we're not going to sing any songs about his technicolor dream coat we're just going to talk about him as a leader um and i think that this is really important because i think that joseph gives us the best example of leadership in the book of genesis which is the first book of the bible um, there are leaders that come before him in the form of Abraham, Isaac, and his father Jacob, um, and they're all great. They make way too many mistakes, and Joseph makes mistakes too, but one of the things that separates Joseph from the rest of them, and we'll find this at the end, it's my last point, I'm going to give you the end from, from the beginning because that's what God does. One of the things that makes him the best leader is that he was actually repentant and apologized to his family and let himself be known. And I think uh, more than anything, one of the things that separates people, good leaders, from poor leaders is their ability to repent and own up to their mistakes in the public um, as well as in the private. Uh, I think um, one of the things that really stirred this on for me and, and feeling like this was something that we really needed to talk about tonight was uh, my good friend Josh Stone asked me... Um, what my favorite example of boldness was in the Bible because he's doing a teen camp this summer and he wants the emphasis to be on boldness and being bold before God. And I told him that my favorite example of boldness, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I, I just wanted to 
really challenge myself to think about something differently besides like, oh, Elijah when he called down the fire bowls, or, or David when he when he slayed um, you know the Philistines, or you know all the all the examples that you think about God doing big things because people are bold. I I I was really like God. I know that there's something deeper. I know that there's something deeper that I want. What's the best example? And he goes, well, Paul's your favorite apostle and I was like you're right and he goes well what about the time that Paul after killing thousands of Christians converted and then decided to go before the council of Jerusalem boldly and apologize and ask for the right right arm of fellowship and I was like that is an amazing example so that's the example that I gave and that really stirred me on because we think when we think about Paul we think about all the amazing miracles and things that he did but before he did those things he humbled himself and was repentant and I know a lot of the times we think about repentance of the whole one and done, gotta get saved thing, but Paul remained repentant throughout his life. In his letters, he talks about the weaknesses and the things that he went to in order to be vulnerable with the people that he was around and that he was teaching. And one of the things that I never want to do here, and I never want the leaders that we have the privilege of training to do, is to make it seem like we have everything together and that we have everything perfect, because that's just not true. It's never true. And I don't want it to ever be one of those things where we teach and talk about vulnerability from the pulpit. And like we give examples of like, oh, well, let me be vulnerable with this story from the pulpit or from our teachings, but never actually get vulnerable with the people that we're trying to build up and we're trying to lead. Because the fact of the matter is, if we're doing this thing the right way, all of you guys turn into leaders in your own right. And we get to encourage each other rather than everyone coming to us for everything. Because that's not the way that the kingdom works. We all have a purpose. We all have gifts, we all have talents, and that's really the thing that I kind of want want you guys to see and to get through tonight, because Joseph's life was a living hell for a long time, but he never gave up, and uh, and that's another lesson of leadership that you'll see throughout this, but um, let's start in Genesis 37, verses 5 through 19. Who wants to read that for me? Anybody? Oh, awesome. Is it 37, 5 through 19? 5 through 19. I got you. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around, and made obeisance. I have no idea what that word is. It means to bow, to bow down. Yeah, bow down. Obeisance um, to my sheep. And he and his brethren said to him. Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more, for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brethren, Behold, I have dreamed a dream, and more behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and, the, and to his brethren, and his, bro- and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come down and bow ourselves to the knee, to thee and to the earth? And his brother had envied, and his brother had envied him, but his father observed the same. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock, and Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here I am. And then he said to him, Go, I pray, and see whether it will be with the brethren, and whether it will be with the flocks, and bring me a word again. So he sent him out to the valley, to the vale of Hebron. And he came to Shechem, and he, and a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. The man asked him, saying, uh, What seek you? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee. 
where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed, for I say that I may, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said to one another, Behold, the dreamer comes. All right, cool. So a lot there. We're getting to. There's so much scripture we're going to read tonight. And so, if this turns into one of those teachings where it's it's more than an hour, and you guys have to go home, fine. That's cool. It's always going to be on on the recordings. Um, but if you can get it here, get it here, because I really want you guys to. It, I I really encourage questions after this, because again, I just I love leadership. I love the topic. Um, there, there are so many things that we can pick apart from this section of verses just off the bat. And it's so cool because he's got the makings of leadership here without even realizing it. Okay? Um, and I just love that. First of all, the first thing that I want you guys to see here, some historical context. Joseph was one of 11 at that time um, because Benjamin was not yet born. 12 tribes. 12 um, he was one of 11 at that time, and he was his father's favorite. His father loved him so much that he gave him a coat of many colors, a technicolor dream coat. There's a whole play about it. Say what you will. I don't really like musicals or plays, so I'm not into not it. Issue. But it's one of the it's one of the it's it's one of the best that <coughs> people have ever written. So you know, go after it if you want. Um, before that, in verse four, it says that. Uh, his brothers already hated him because he was his father's favorite, and then they grow to hate him even more towards the end, which, um, if you're wondering why it said more, that's why. So, historically speaking, that's what's going on here. One of the first things I want you guys to take away from this is that if you, if, uh, you are a leader, which I believe that all of you are, you will get a vision from God. Sometimes that vision starts as a dream. You don't really know what it means. You don't know what's going on. You just have a dream that God has given you on your heart, something that you want to make happen, but you don't know how. Okay, you you'll always have that. I know that every single person in here from talking to people, you guys all have something that's on your heart, something that you feel like you have to do and you can't shake it. Sometimes you're scared to admit it because you don't know how to go about doing it. And that's okay. That's why we do vision casting. That's why it's important to have a vision. But the one thing that I want you to take away from at least this section of verses is that every leader, which means you, has a dream from God that you are meant to accomplish, which means that dream if you choose to follow it, if you choose to accept God's call on your life, will turn into a vision, okay? And every leader has a vision. Every leader has a vision, and they will communicate it. Even if they communicate it to the wrong people, it will be communicated. Um, they, they know how to communicate it because it's something that only God has given them. Now, it might line up really close with other people's visions, and that's how you can connect and grow the kingdom and all that stuff. But you have a vision, a leader. Um, has a vision from God, a dream that turns into a vision from God that only they can go after and only they can follow. All right? And the thing about your vision, the thing about a leader's vision is that not everyone is going to see it, not everyone is going to agree with it, and you will come, the enemy will come against you. Usually, more often than not, through the people who are the closest to you. Joseph's brothers hated him for his vision. His father even told him to be quiet. Even though he remembered it, it says he observed it, his father told him to be quiet and to forget about it. All right? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations like that with my family. So we're not going to get into that. I'm going to try my best not to use my own life in this. I just want you guys to see what Scripture says, okay? Um, so 
The first thing is the leader has a vision for his future and ultimately the future for those around him. And we'll get into why of that in a second. The other thing is that although a leader's vision, although a leader's identity is not in his vision, his vision will be his calling and will often be what others label him as. All right. Um, the last verse that we read, it says, And then they said to one another, Behold, this dreamer comes. They no longer called him Joseph. He was the crazy dreamer brother that they didn't like anymore. All right. Um, if you have people who come against you and they label you by what your vision is and by what God is doing in your life, praise God. You're doing the right thing. Um, super encouraged by that. I hope you guys are too. Because have been called crazy several times, and that's okay. Um, so sometimes, even though those closest to, uh, sometimes even though those closest to him will criticize and discourage his vision, he must be true to it. So the vision that you have, the vision that God has given you for your life, or at least for this time period, because sometimes the vision changes. Joseph's didn't, but there are plenty of leaders in the Bible where their vision changes in the season that they're in, which we'll get into. David's a prime example of that. That's another story for another time, but. Things do change, and I want to encourage you. If your vision is not the same today as it was yesterday, that's okay. God changes things as you grow and as you mature and as you go along. That didn't change with Joseph, and we'll get into that, because God knows the end from the beginning. So this vision that Joseph has is a vision of his father and his family bowing down to him later on in life. This is the vision that God has given him for his life. He doesn't know what it means. He doesn't even know how to attain it. All he knows is that, hey, this is from God, and this is what he said. And it's going to happen. I don't know when, but this is going to happen. Um, Joseph's brothers, and you know, we're not going to read the rest of this chapter because we have a lot of other scripture to read. Joseph's brothers hated him so much that by the end of the chapter, they rip his cloak off of them, tear it into pieces, cut a baby um, sheep up, a kid up, and uh, not a kid, like child kid, but like a kid, like goat, uh, and pour the kid's blood over the coat, present it to his father and say, your son is dead. Meanwhile, they pushed him into a pit. So I want to tell you guys this. If you are called to leadership, which you all are, there will be a pit. There will be several pits, which we will get into. A man is always made in the pit. Or a lady. A man of God. A son of, let's rephrase it. A son of God, because we're all sons of God and we're all the bride of Christ, right? So we all get to kind of... Anyway, this you, know, you guys know what I'm saying. We trap child. The child. Of, yes, there you go. The child of God is always made in the pit, right? Because we are seeds, and in order for a seed to grow, it first has to die. All right. So the pit that you're in, embrace it. Embrace it. Don't let discouragement and despair come. Don't let it rob you. But embrace where you're at, because you need to learn and grow and be patient. Not. Your vision is not always going to turn into exactly what you think it's going to look like. And it's hardly ever going to happen all at once in the moment. All right? Usually it takes years. Be encouraged by the years. All right? That's the first thing. Secondly, there's a whole chapter we're going to skip. (laughs) Chapter 38. It is not important to our discussion tonight, but it is very important to the gospel because of a lady that's in it and God just loves people so uh, very intense study that you can do on chapter 38 not what we're going to do tonight Um, chapter 39 we're going to read the whole chapter who would like to read for me Micah 
Uh, Nathan, I want you to go to chapter 40 because you're already all fat. So, Micah, go ahead with chapter 39. Cool. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Fact. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time, when Joseph went to the into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. <laughs> so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of the house, and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came, in to me to, he came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened, when he had heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened, as I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. <laughs> Tie in the prison, and God's like, all right, we have more authority. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to point out a couple things here, and you're going to see this again later. Because these next um, three statements that I'm going to make when it comes to leadership are all-encompassing. These are the first three things you will always, always, always need to know as a leader, and they are unavoidable, no matter what. You could tell me that any of the other laws in this um, are avoidable, and that's, I might believe you, but these three are the three that I need you to realize. The first one is called the law of influence, all right? Leadership, and this is what I need you guys to realize about leadership. This is why we say that you guys are all leaders, no matter what. 
Leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. Nothing more, nothing less. Do you have a sphere of influence? The answer is yes. Okay, what are you doing with that sphere of influence? How are you influencing the people around you for the kingdom of God? That's the biggest question you need to ask yourself every day. If you want to become a bigger leader, a better leader, bigger leader, better leader, you need to ask yourself, how am I influencing those around me? Am I casting stones? Am I throwing judgment? Or am I bringing them to repentance by the kindness and the mercies of God? Big questions. Big questions. Am I pushing them away with harsh words? Or are my words like honey? draw them in an angry response stares up wrath but a gentle word causes them to come together right um, I think Paul says it the best where he says let your words be seasoned with the grace of God God's grace is his divine empowerment and influence on the human heart and the reflection of it in the person's life so Paul is saying in, uh, if you want the exact verse, I think it's Ephesians 4, 28 or 29 or something like that. Um, I think it's 28. But uh, Paul's really saying there, let your words, everything that you speak, be filled with God's divine influence and empowerment so that it is a reflection of the kingdom of God. Right? So, first rule here is leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Joseph influenced everyone around him. by one simple truth and that is influence is servanthood nothing more nothing less in order to be a good leader you have to first be a good servant so how are you serving those around you what are you doing to make yourself more valuable in their eyes not in God's eyes you don't have to become more valuable in God's eyes you don't have to become more valuable in your own eyes be content with who God has made you to be but also know that without knowledge my people perish what are you doing to gain more knowledge to become more successful to become more valuable to the world so that they can see the kingdom of God in you Joseph here influences his way to being Potiphar's top servant alright he did not withhold anything from Joseph alright and the whole reason why he was able to do that was because he was serving that was Joseph's first goal. He was like, I'm sold in slavery. Might as well be the best at serving. I'm a slave. I can't do anything else but serve. So I might as well be truthful and honest and just do the best I can. You don't ever see anywhere in here where he complains about it. And I love that. Because that challenges me. Because I come from a family of complainers. <laughs> um, the second thing is that once he gets to prison, what happens? The Lord's favor is on him, and he serves again, and he becomes right-hand man to the head prison guard. And so everything that happens in the prison has to first go through Joseph, which is amazing. Isn't that crazy? Influence, all through servanthood. That's all he did. Um, and the third thing that you need to see here is that the area you are called to will always be the area where the enemy attacks the most. All right? No matter who you are, no matter what you're called to, 
can't deal with this in my mouth anymore. I thought it would be good, but I'm just going to put it there for right now. <laughs> uh, no matter who you are, no matter what you're called to, the enemy is always going to attack that area where you're calling and where your vision lies. Every single time. And I'm going to challenge you guys in something, too. I'm going to challenge you guys in something. You ready for this? Have you guys ever heard that a team or a country or whatever uh, organization is only as strong as its weakest link? They are lying to you when they say that. The next, the next law, the very first law that they talk about in this book is called the law of the lid. And the law essentially states that a team or an organization is only as strong and can only grow as much as the leader of the organization is growing because the leader becomes the lid for the organization. Now, I can give you all kinds of examples of this. Joseph is the best one that I can find, and you will see as we continue in his story that it wasn't the weakest link that destroyed a country. Joseph became the strongest and became the leader. He became next to Pharaoh. Pharaoh gave him everything. He was, he was leading the country in everything but name, and that's why Egypt succeeded in this time of famine when no one else did. I want to challenge you. A team is not as strong as its weakest link. A team is as strong as the leader makes the team to be. A team is as strong as its leader. The best practical example that I can give you of that is I manage a cleaning company. Right? I don't think that's a surprise. Some people in the room work for me. Some people might work for me later on. It just depends. I'm all about giving people jobs and making sure that people are taken care of. One thing that I want you to know, though, is that if somebody quits on me or somebody gets sick, they become my weakest link in that moment. And you know what happens? The company can either make or break at that moment based on what I do as the leader, not based on what the weakest link does. Mm -hmm. So my responsibility is to make sure the company stays on top. A team, an organization, is only as strong as its leader. Period. History will tell you that. You see it all throughout history. You see it all throughout the Bible. In fact, Israel did not begin to crumble after David's reign until Solomon started sinning. Right? When David was at the top, what happened? Israel went to the top. When Saul, the original Saul, not Saul of Tarsus, but King Saul, was like in God's graces, what happened? Israel succeeded in everything that it did. But what happened when he sinned? And then David had to take over and make it right again, right? When Solomon, after Solomon died, his sons were so sinful that the kingdom got split into two. And then you know what happened? Judah, the southern kingdom, decided, hey, we're going to stick with God. And they, they survived so much longer than Israel did. They did so much better than Israel did in so many other ways. And you know what happened to Israel? They were like, you know what? Let's worship Satan again. Where are the golden calves at? Let's go back to the high places. And you know what happened? They got attacked. They were sold into slavery several more times than uh, Judah did, or at least the times were worse. It was a bad time for Israel. A leader, a team, a company, an organization, the country is only as strong as its leader is, not its weakest link. The leader, if he's a good leader, will determine the strengths and the weaknesses of the weakest link and help them grow. So the weakest link becomes as strong as the leader encourages them to be. Yeah. Keep that in mind as we, go th as we go forward. And don't let people lie to you again in order to try to trick you into forced socialism. But that's another thing for another time. <laughs> um, so 
Um, chapter 40. Nathan, go. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison in place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you, to restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and, I, and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream. And there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three days Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to, to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. That's unfortunate. Well, <laughs> seems pretty hopeless, right? Like I said, uh, every leader is a seed that has to die before he can live. Another pit. Um, again pits you see you see this reoccurring thing where the enemy keeps coming after joseph joseph's been given this dream he's going to lead many people his brothers and his family his mom and his dad are going to bow down to him it's going to be a good time he's going to do a lot of great things and he's still stuck in prison because people keep forgetting about him all right now seems pretty glum seems pretty hopeless but we know at the end of the story is that he becomes next to pharaoh right so i want to encourage you guys that just because you feel like you're in a prison or a pit, make sure that your prison is a prison of hope because you see the promise and remember the end from the beginning. Stay with your word or, or your vision or whatever it is that God has given you. Um, excuse me. And don't give up on it. The one thing that I want you to take away from this chapter is that a leader does not give up on his gifts, his callings, or his vision because just because the circumstances don't look as if they should. All right? 
just because things were done poorly, just because things were done even just because other people gave you bad examples of what leadership should look like or what your gifts and your calling should look like doesn't mean that you should be scared of your gifts, your calling, or your vision. It doesn't mean that you should be scared of the path that God has you on because if God has you on the path, then it is the best, best path. It is the path that you will be able to conquer the most fear on. It is the path that will make you the most courageous. And it is the path that will turn you into the person that God has called you to be. And in turn, turn you into the leader that God has called you to be. And that is very important. All right? Um, it is so important. Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, the famous French general, um, said this really amazing thing when he was alive. And it's hard for me to admit that um, because I'm not a big fan of French culture and things like that. But... Uh, just because I guess we're American and it's been instilled in me to make fun of the French by my father. Uh, he was a very... Uh, so I just, I repent of that to uh, any people who are French who might be listening to this. There are things that I need to change too. Uh, but Napoleon said, and I, and I love this quote, uh, leaders are dealers of hope. And I love that. Um, you see that perfectly played out here uh, with Joseph for for both prisoners. I know I know that one of them, it's like, well, that doesn't seem like very hopeful for the one prisoner. Well, you have to remember what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is an expectation. Mm-hmm. Biblical hope is knowing what is to come. Yeah. And what did Joseph do? He told them <laughs> what was to come. One was a good result, one was a bad result, but it was still hope on both both occasions. If, we're, if, we, were, if we are to define hope by what the New Testament perspective of hope is, it's not just wishful thinking. It is an expectancy of what is to come. And if you are a good leader, a good leader always maps out the course and communicates the vision well to the people that are following them in order for them to understand and to know what is happening and how they need to grow and how they need to adapt in order to continue with the vision. Um, it's one of the reasons why we do vision casting in December every year. It's one of the reasons why... The first Saturday of every year, we talk about what the vision for this next year is, and we can, we continue to communicate that throughout the year. Um, and I, I think that we can do better at that, but I also think we've done really well at that as a leadership team. So I'm really excited about how we're going to grow with that too. So um, remember, leadership is dealing hope to anyone and everyone you meet through servanthood because you're looking to influence them for the kingdom of God, right? You can do those things. It's very basic. That makes you a leader. All right? At the end of the day. Now, um, I have an entire chapter that I would like someone to read. It is 57 verses. Who feels long-winded for me? I got you. Cameron? Great. Thank you. Monica, before Cameron reads that, I need you to go to Proverbs 18.16 and read that for me, please. <clears throat> yep. A whole chapter. <laughs> Wait, who is the Proverbs? Proverbs 18, 16. Mm-hmm. I'll read it in the Passion Translation so it's easier. Wow. Kidding, they don't have it for the old <laughs> They do for some of them. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately. Sometimes it's beautiful. 18, 16? 18, 16, yes. Okay. Sorry. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Um, a man's gift makes room for him and brings them, brings him uh, before great men. Some translations of that word great men uh, 
is princes or kings. So a man's gift <clears throat> makes room for him and brings him before princes and kings. I want you to remember that. Because here's the thing. In the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews says, continue in your good doing because you never know when you might be entertaining angels. I would like to encourage you, if you can't get into a lot of the supernatural stuff, you have trouble believing in some of that, or you have misconceptions, you've seen people do it wrong, you don't want to get into that right now, cool, I get you. I get it. There's a lot of misunderstandings about angels and teachings about things like that. Maybe we'll do that at some point or mm-hmm. something, I don't know. But one of the things that I want to encourage you in, especially in this day and age, is continue in your good doing because you never know when you might be standing before the next prince or king. Yeah. And that may not be of a country, yeah. that may be of a company, yeah. that may be of a movement, but you never know who you might be influencing in the moment. Yeah. All right? So, 41, go. <sighs> then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat. They fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads blinded Wait, by the... Wait, hold on. What translation are you reading from? King James. King James. New King James. Mine says the same thing. Yeah, mine says it too. Alright, no, I, I'm not upset, I just think it's hilarious, because I'm reading from the King James, and that's not what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Look, it wasn't that confusing. I love it, I love it. No, I'm not mad about it, I was just curious, because I was like, wait, what? This is amazing. Alright, so verse 6, Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there is a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. Uh, he restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is... I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed the river. <laughs> Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gone. Such ugliness as I have never seen in all the world. <laughs> and the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven cows, the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up, one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads, withered, th- withered thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. 
So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven good years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land and, uh, of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in the garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent no man uh, may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zephnath Paneah, and he that gave him sense. his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, <laughs> priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of, the fam of famine came, who, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, uh, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you do. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine was severe in all the ends. Tight. So, several different things happened here. Lots of different things in this chapter. So much. 
Um, we don't have time to get into all of it, obviously, because, I mean, there's so many different things that we could dissect from this. We're looking at the subject of leadership, all right? So that's really what we're going to talk about today, um, which we've already established. That. I don't know why I'm repeating myself, but, you know, sometimes you just need to hear it because the word is good, you know? So um, here's the thing. When we study this from a leadership perspective, one of the things that we see here is that Joseph's gift, this little thing, dream interpretation, is what made room for him. And because of his dream interpretation and then him listening to the Spirit of God to interpret the dream and then give a solution for the issue of famine coming up, Pharaoh made him next to Pharaoh. He was Pharaoh in everything but name. That's what Pharaoh said to him, right? That is crazy. He had one talent, one little thing, and it made him a king, all right? Think about how many other things you can do. Think about all the areas in your life that you feel like God is calling you to and the visions that you have for those areas. How much more could you accomplish if you would give yourself the freedom to do it by following the Lord? All through influence. That's it. All, all leadership is is influence, right? So all, all we're talking about here, all I'm asking you to do is to use everything that you have to influence those around you for the kingdom of God. That's it. That's it. Not looking, we're not looking for anyone to do anything spectacular. I'm not saying go push a mountain aside. I'm not asking you to call down fireballs because you wouldn't know what spirit you were of at that point. You know, <laughs> um, I'm not. You know, we're not looking that you would say, "Hey, Ananias and Sapphira, you're you're liars, die dead," and then you just and then people fall down dead. I mean, we're not looking at any of that. That's not leadership. Leadership is influence. That's all we're saying here. You have the capacity to be an amazing leader. And we just want to encourage you guys in that. The Spirit of God was, was with him. It was not in him. It was simply with him, right? You have the Spirit of God in you. How much more could you do? Simply put, all right? He had one gift, and that was dream interpretation. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Feel better. Um, I would propose to you that because it was the Spirit of the Lord that gave him dream interpretation, that everyone in this room could interpret dreams and interpret dreams well because all you have to do is rely on the Lord. I think inherently it's a Christian thing because all you need is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not the gift of the Spirit, as in like a gift of the Holy Spirit, dream interpretation, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person who lives inside of you. I think everyone can interpret dreams. So I think we have the potential to be greater influencers than Joseph did. And Joseph got to be king in everything but name. That's encouraging. That's amazing. That's super cool. Alright? Yeah. The pagan. <laughs> pagan capital of the world at that point. You know, because Babylon had fallen by then. But Everything capital of the world. Information yeah. capital of the Yep. Everything. So, anyway. So, again, well, that's one thing that I want to encourage you with. The second thing that I want to encourage you with is something that we brought up with one of the last points. And that is... An organization, a team, a country is only as strong as its leader, not its weakest link. Do you see that here? There are so many weak links that could be in this country, but you know what? Pharaoh, being a very wise man and noticing the spirit of God on someone, decided, hey, in order for me to be a good leader, I need to appoint another leader next to me who will be Pharaoh in everything but name. I will retain that name. But he will be able to do everything that I can do. That's a leader that I need next to me. Pharaoh was a great man. He was a great leader. I tell you that even with him being a pagan. But 
what I will tell you too is that because he was a great leader, he understood what great leadership needed. And he needed someone beside him that knew what was coming and that knew how to prepare for it. And what did he do? He brought in Joseph. What did Joseph do? Prepared an entire country where the rest of the world was dying because they were starving. That country is, was as strong as its leader, not its weakest link. Yeah. Proves my point, right? So from now on, when people say, oh, well, we're only as strong as our weakest link, you say, no, we're only as strong as our leader, and we need to find who that is and make sure they're the right one. And that's why I love prophets as, uh, as far as the fivefold ministry goes, because they will tell you who the leader is, and if you are not the leader, they will tell you. <laughs> Better get it straight. Love it. So a leader... To put it, put it simply, a leader sets the temperature. The leader does not read it. A leader is a thermostat, not a thermometer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. There is this um, gift of the Holy Spirit, which we will get into later this year. It's called the gift of faith. Many people talk about it um, for needing things like miracles. Uh, that is That is a great example of what the gift of faith does it partners with the gift of miracles in order to produce miracles the gift of faith though in my opinion and in my studies is a very passive gift of the spirit and it is something that i believe that all true leaders should have because it increases the faith of the room the gift of faith i believe when it comes to leadership sets the tone of the day sets the tone of the night sets the tone of the group and helps encourage everyone to come up to that par Hmm. Right? You know when a leader is having a bad day when you walk into a church service because something feels slightly different in the spirit. Why is that? Because every leader walks in the gift of faith for who they're leading. All right? And that doesn't just go with, with, with church. That goes with your organization, what you're a part of. All right? How many times have you walked into work and you're like, something feels weird and then you find out your boss is having a bad day and you're like i gotta go (laughs) gotta get out of here stay in my office don't come near me boss right yes (laughs) perfect example right i can give you all kinds of stories on on, anyway can you restate what you said about the gift of faith the gift of faith is an atmosphere changer it is a passive gift and it helps set the atmosphere for whatever that person is leading does that make sense yep that's something we can get into at a later time. It's not the point of tonight's teaching. And I'm at 54 minutes, which means I'm doing real good because I thought it was going to be at an hour and a half by now. And so we're doing really well, but we're kind of flying through some of this. Um, I really wanted to leave this open for questions at the end because I just love leadership. So, um, yes. So, anyway, moving forward, uh, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis and then we're going to jump to Genesis 50 or 45. Uh, who wants to read for me next? Sure. All right, Cam. Um, so before we start in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 45, um, brief little period of time goes by. Um, Jacob, or Israel as he's called now, looks at his sons and go, goes, Hey, we're God's people and we're starving, and I'm not really sure why, so we need to go and figure out who's got food. And so he sends his sons off. They find in Egypt that there's food. Joseph catches wind of this, brings them in, says, Hey, I can't let them know that they're my brothers yet. I got to torture them some because they really messed up my life, right? That whole spirit of bitterness comes in, tempts them for a little while. Um, he blackmails them and basically is like, hey, uh, you know, you guys sat at my table. He invites them in and says, hey, sit at my table. You guys are from a foreign country, different ambassadors. And they're like, well, we're not really a country. And, and 
J Joseph is like, well, you're, you're Israelites, right? There are no other Israelites but you guys. And they're like, yeah, I guess, kind of a country, whatever, no big deal. So Joseph invites them in. And keep in mind, Joseph at this point is Pharaoh, basically, an all-but-name. So he's got this big table. He's got many servants. And uh, his brothers sit with him, don't even realize that Joseph is, the, is their brother. And uh, he pays off one of his servants and says, hey, when you give them a bag full of grain and corn and stuff like that, hide, uh, hide this piece of, of silver in here, and, and we're going to catch them later on. So as they're leaving, Joseph comes back out and goes, hey, one of my things is missing. Check their bags. Lo and behold... There's something missing there, and they found it in one of their bags. And Joseph goes, okay, well, you got to come back. You said that uh, your, your, your father had a, because uh, Joseph interrogates them too. I'm sorry if I'm butchering this a little bit. There's a lot to cover in like several chapters here, four chapters to cover. Um, and the brothers are like, yeah, we have one younger brother. And then his mother died because she was so sad because, you know, her, her oldest son died. And now she's got this younger younger son and her her sadness killed her kind of like Padme and now our father protects Benjamin yeah. more than he protects anyone else and he's like alright well uh, in order to prove to me that you didn't take this and that you guys aren't liars I need you to go to your father and I need you to bring me the youngest son bring him to me I want to see him I want to know this family and I want to know who you guys are so they go back out and they bring him in um and he kind of repeats this entire thing over again. He treats Benjamin like royalty, uh, better than he treated any of the other brothers, and then hides something else in Benjamin's sack and says, surely they will not come to his defense because they did not come to mine. And Judah, the oldest, goes, if you're going to take anybody, take me. Don't take him. It would break my father's heart and he would die. Please take me. Please take me. Um... And that's an amazing thing. And if you really want to look at this, there are so many types and shadows of Jesus in the story alone. Joseph is obviously a type and a shadow of Jesus. But I, I believe in this moment, this was the moment, obviously God exists outside of time and space. So that's a whole crazy thing to get into. So don't read into what I'm not saying. All right. So just hear me out. I think in this moment when Judah decided to lay down his life for his brother, I think this was the moment where God said, this is the lineage of David now. This is where it's coming from. This is where Jesus will come from because Judah, first of all, means praise. It's what we go into battle with. It's what God always led with, was, was with praise, which we don't even see until later on in, in, in the Bible. But I think in this moment where Judah was willing to lay down his life for his brother, for his friend, this self-sacrificial moment, this is where God goes, this is... This is the lineage of David now. This is the lineage of Jesus. This is where this is where my son will be gotten from. So that's just a theory. It's it's an opinion. All right. It's not it's not biblical fact. So I, I just just a theory. So uh, Genesis forty five, Cameron, if you please. And Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, "Make everyone go out from me!" So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. 
And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of your, the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in, in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts, and go back to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say this, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel, that is Jacob, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Uh, awesome. So, I love this. Uh, I love how amazing God does things. I love how amazing God is and how awesome his plans and purposes are. Um, so good. My last point when it comes to leadership, when it comes to good leadership, and I mentioned this earlier, I wanted you guys to see this scripturally, okay? Um, I know I'm not explaining a lot um, and breaking down every verse, verse by verse. Like I said, there's a lot that we wanted to I wanted to cover tonight. I wanted to give you guys a brief summary on like what good leadership is and encourage you guys in learning how to be better leaders because everyone here is a leader. Everyone here is called to leadership in some way, shape, or form. And I will tell you right now that the best leaders are the ones that know when they've messed up and come forward and repent. They apologize and they turn um, from what they're doing. Joseph, in this moment, after seeing his brothers were willing to lay down their lives for Benjamin, says, I can't believe that you love him this much. I wanted to be loved this much. I am your brother, and I am sorry. 
please come and live here. Let me take care of you. It was stupid for me to be mad at you because the plans that the enemy had planned for my destruction, God had already planned for my good. And that thing that I dreamt is now a reality. Please come here. Let me take care of you. All right? Um, I know I said this earlier, but I think I think the best leaders are the ones that are willing, uh, really willing to humble themselves, not just uh, privately, but but before a nation and admit that they're wrong. Because it, I think, uh, more often than not, it, it builds trust and um, and honor and communication between them and the people that they're leading, because they realize, hey, this is a person too, and we need to be praying for this person. We need to be, check in on them, make sure they're all right too. Um, I think, and I think it's freeing for the leader because it frees them up to really be who they're meant to be, rather than being um, being who the enemy wants them to be. Because a lot of the times when we when we when we aren't humble, when we can't admit our wrongs, we fall into a lot of perfectionism and and drivenness and uh, fabricated personalities because we think we have to be this person that we're not. And at the end of the day, you are the best leader when you are yourself. When you know what your gifts are, when you know what your callings are, when you know what your vision is, and staying in your lane. Don't try to be anyone else. Don't try to be somebody fake. Don't try to be something that's like someone other than who you actually are. Be yourself. Stick to your guns. Stick to what God has given you and move forward no matter what criticism comes your way. And sometimes, and I'll just tell you guys this, sometimes criticism comes from, like, the people who are closest to you, you know? Um, Mike and I are best friends, and, dude, and, like, there have been moments where we've criticized the heck out of each other, and, like, <laughs> sometimes even hated each other's guts for a brief moment, and then, like, we realize, all right, God is really calling you to this. Like, go ahead, go do it. I'm here. I'm in your back pocket. Like, I'm in your corner. Like, let me know when you need help, you know? Always ended well. Uh, always ended well, <laughs> even though sometimes it started with a fight. So... Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is like, there have been times where, you know, just to be upfront, like there's not, there's not always, we're, as a, as a leadership team here, I mean, there's so many of us, which is great because that means we're just training up good leaders and, and people are willing to like be here. And I've, I need to have some talks with people on the leadership team about what this next year looks like and what their roles are in the fivefold ministry and, and all this other stuff over this next coming year. And I'm super excited about that. But I will tell you that there's so many different people and like personalities on top of like also having a worship leader and a worship leader team and stuff like that, that like there's clashing, there's clashing that happens. And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes there's a person who's the odd man out. Um, and one of the things that I decided a long time ago when I brought the team together was that we weren't going to move forward until we were all on the same page. And so sometimes there are things that like we want to move forward in or I want to move forward in or somebody else wants to move forward in and like we just won't budge because not everybody's on the same page. Mm. And there's a reason for that. Um, but at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, the reason why that person's not on the same page, sometimes they're working through some things themselves in order to get on the same page. But there have also been times where like it's been good that they weren't on the same page because they noticed something that none of the rest of us did and we all thought they were crazy until it came forward and then we were like sorry <laughs> you were right you know and it's like a very humbling thing and and I say all that to say that like one if the people closest to you are criticizing your dream and your vision 
it's going to suck, it's going to hurt, hear them out for a second. And if it's not what God is telling you to do, if it's not how things are lining up, then like move forward, keep moving forward. If they're really your friends, if they're really your family at the end of the day, they'll say, okay, this is really God's plan for your life. Like go after it. We're, we're here for you. We're in your corner. Like just go after it. If they're not, then like, dude, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's not worth your time. You know what I mean? Like just move forward. But at the end of the day, that humility of like being willing to hear them out and admit in the areas that you're wrong and taking wisdom from others to make sure that your plan, your vision, what God has given you is going to move forward the right way. That's a huge deal. And it will save you from a lot of heartbreak. It will save you from a lot of destruction that the enemy is going to try to bring your way. And honestly, like that humility, that willingness to be wrong and that willingness to repent and change the way that you're thinking, change the way that you're doing things is going to win more people over because it shows that you're willing to serve them in the right ways, not the wrong ways. Because obviously there's a wrong way of serving there. You don't want to be a people pleaser. You want to be a God pleaser in how you're serving. Um, so that is my teaching for the night there's so much more that i could say but if i keep talking i'm just gonna ramble and then we're just gonna be here all night so um i'm gonna pray and i'm gonna i'm gonna turn the recording off one hour and eight minutes two minutes of that was me talking and rambling in the beginning so that's okay take it as an hour and six i'm gonna pray and then honestly if you guys have questions like let's open it up for questions for a little bit i want to see what you guys think or even if you guys have comments on the teaching and joseph leadership abilities i want to hear it because again i just love leadership i love i love this subject i love this subject matter um and if not then i think the plan is for us for or at least for most of us to go to cookout to celebrate cameron's birthday today um and so uh somebody needs to buy him a cookout tray i will do it if kate and i end up going but if we don't because we have a baby, then that's another thing entirely, so. Um, Chelsea texted pictures.